Hi, my name's Ellie Gillis, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold Your East Fife and Scottish Football Podcast I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Gordon Henderson. And sadly, no Doug Perry this week. I believe he said something about he was getting his hole or he's got a hole in one or, or, or something like that. Something about him being a master. Yeah, who knows? Hmm. I'm sure he'll be he'll be back soon. But yet you've got the tremendous trio, the three degrees of footballing knowledge. I'm just the follically, channel- the follically challenged fannies. <laughs> Three must get beers. Yep, something like that. You you can yep. come up with your own name for us. Actually, maybe not. I I, I look R.I.P. the Twitter mentions Lee. Sorry, but we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk East Fife. There's a couple of games to catch up with. We're going to talk about the new kit that's been launched. Have a look round what's happening in the, the Scottish Leagues as well as we get into the business end of the season. But before we get into any of that, let's hear a little bit from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. We are Maze Mortgages. We're Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Just send us a message via Facebook to find out more. Thanks as always to East Fife Community Football Club and Maze Mortgages for their continued support. As we always say, they support East Fife, they support us. Go and support them. So, yeah, a few things to, to catch up with. We weren't able to, to do the show last weekend. And I think that was maybe a bit of a, a godsend, Lee. Yeah. Not a great game. 1-0 loss to Annan. 90th minute winner from Aidan Smith. It was a well-taken goal. Got got to say that from, from Annan. But it was one of those games that it, it could have a big bearing as to how the teams, both teams, really finish come the end of the season. So disappointing not to get anything from that one. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think it's going to be the, one of the games that we'll look back on um, when the season's finished and we miss out in the playoffs by a point and went, if it just hung on there, that would have been the point that got us to the playoffs. But I mean, it was, it was probably the worst I've seen Ann and Luke, obviously missing Tommy Goss and then Johnson goes off injured fairly early. But we just we just didn't really create much. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's the story of our season, that had we had a Tommy Goss or a Kane Hester or somebody like that in our, in our team, that would probably be comfortably already in the playoffs because I think that other aspects of our game has, has definitely progressed as the season's gone on, but we just miss a, a striker who, who loves to score goals. Yeah, it's something we've said all season, really, Gordon. But, I mean, that result, 
Annan's currently sitting in third, and as Lee says, that could be this one game that we now, we now look back on. Because the, the last time I was on the show, I was saying, oh, it's going to be a massive disappointment, I feel now, if we don't finish top four. And now you look at the the table and getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but Annan, 47 points in third, and then Steny, 43 points in sixth. So it's like, it's Perm 2 from 4 right now, and if we do end up missing out in that top 4 spot, that could really be the game we'll look back on. Yeah, I think it's looking like it's going to be really tight between, um, you know, potentially Annan might pull a wee bit ahead, but, you know, the three of us, East Fife, Steny, Forf are really, really close. So I feel like either we're going to sneak into the playoffs or just miss out. Um, I suppose if you just miss out, you can look back on a, a lot of games and say, mm. you know, that's that's the one that cost us. Um, you know, we've still got that game against Forfa last day of the season. Um, you, you always tend to look at the games against the teams around you, I suppose. So for that point of view, you know, it was a it was a bad one to lose. Uh, I think even a point, probably. I think most of us would have taken a point going into it, given given our poor record against Annan and. It would have just kept everyone right in the mix, um, but I think we've got we've got four games left, and I think if we, you know, I still feel like it's in our hands. If we put a good performance over those four games, we should get in. So. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It is in our own hands, and I mean, Lee, I know you like to sneak in the back door yourself sometimes, but it doesn't. As long as we get there, it doesn't matter how we do it. No, um, it doesn't. But I think. You know, I was doing a bit of research for for the show tonight, and looking at us, you do um, research for this show. <laughs> I normally do. Surprise a lot five. of folk. I know it might actually, um, but you know, given where Elgin are in the league and all the the, oh. the shit I got for saying that, yeah, uh, they look a long fucked. time ago. <laughs> I said at the start of the season, ten days in Kane Hester, mm. um, but yeah, I think far far in pole position for me because they've got the easiest run in. So their next two games are Elgin and Bonnie Rigg. Uh, but they, that's two teams fighting for their survival. I get that, well. but e- equally, they're two games that they should expect to win. Yeah. However, the, la- the third last game is um, Sterling versus Forfar. Um, th- so the second last game of this season is um, Sterling Albion away. Now, Sterling could already have had the league wrapped up or will have the league wrapped up by then, so are they going to care? And is Darren Young going to do us a favour? Very unlikely. <laughs> um, as much as I would love him to. Um, and if you still listen, Darren, you still are the best East Fife manager of my lifetime. Love you lots. Um, you need better really win that game. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the last game of the season um, is obviously us versus Forfa where they hold all the cards and just because I know how much um, Doug Perry loves it when I rattle off the remaining fixtures um, Stenhouse Muir's running um, is I think similar however more so they've got Elgin away on Tuesday which I think is actually going to be a lot tougher because they're going to get the new manager bounce because obviously Elgin have sacked their manager I don't know if you've seen that yet Michael I haven't Um, no yeah, they sat Gavin Price last night. Then they've got Sterling at home, Albion Rovers away, Strand Rar away, and then the last game of the season is Annan at home. Whoa. So, yeah, so you see what I mean? I think Forf are just slightly edged in terms of run-ins because yeah. we've obviously got Strand Rar at home. Then we've yeah. got Dumbarton away now. Dumbarton are obviously not in form. So, you know, we, we, we do have half a chance against them. Then we've got Albion Rovers at home and then Forfar away so I, I like think... the fact that we've got Forfar away because our away form has been good this year which is yeah. feels crazy to say but but you, you know what's going to happen Forfar have been in the mantelpiece for years mm. the game we need to beat them will be the game that we lose we'll, we'll take a good support up if, if, that, if everything's on the line for that last game that's going to be yeah. a bumper crowd that's going to be a tremendous atmosphere yeah, I mean, and like it was last week for the Annan game, I think that our, our, our crowds this year have been actually decent, or, or certainly recently anyway, have been decent. Um, and considering, you know, a lot of the, 
complaints around the, the price point, considering how poor our form's been um, at, at, at spells this year. I think that we could actually look back on that and be quite happy. But mm-hmm. sorry I, uh, to digress, the, the Annan game is one that I'll certainly not live in the, the memory of mm-hmm. any Spike fan. And although, <laughs> I, I, Gordon, were you at it? Yeah. No. So the way I felt watching it was that Annan were the better team. But then you take the emotion of it and look at the, the stats and they were quite similar. Um, I just kind of feel like Annan are maybe just a better side than us. And I could kind of accept, like, I could kind of just accept that. So when the last the last minute going in, like everybody said, oh, it was a sickener or whatever. I, I, like, I just kind of went, that's probably been coming. It was a really well-taken goal as well. It's like one of those goals, if we'd got it, we'd be like, oh, that was fantastic. Build up, great ball in, great header. Yeah. Talking to crowds, bringing us to the, the game against Sterling now, in the build-up to the game, what was all this stuff about? Oh, we're expecting a bumper crowd and the stands could be full and if this stand's full, you're going to have to go to this stand. There was 937 folk there. I watched the highlights and I was like, what the hell? This It's empty stands. What was all this about? Uh, there was almost this like emergency like communication like oh like the home stand's been really full recently so if that gets too full home fans will have to go into the 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 away stand like the the, the other section of the away stand but to be honest Sterling were nowhere near filling their home stand hmm. I think what it is is just like most of their fans congregate in one area so they think it's really full but actually there's tons of space uh, on the other side so Nah, it was. It made them look a little bit silly because they were nowhere near needing that extra yep. egg on their face and not an Easter one. Hey, well, I mean, this is the most wonderful time of the year because it is cheap chocolate eve, as I like to to think of it. Be getting up early Monday morning, hitting all the supermarkets here. Got a bumper haul last year. It was amazing. Let's get into the game. It started late because it was an injury to the assistant referee. Did we find out what the injury was? A brass neck, along with the rest of them. Hey. Did it, did this guy dog not turn up or something? I don't know. But the game did get underway, and we'll delve a little bit into it. Just before we get into the ins and outs of it, how, how did you view it? How did you come away feeling from it, Lee? Was it a, a good point earned? Listening to the post-game interviews... Greg and Liam kind of felt it was maybe two points dropped. From watching the way the highlights were edited, and obviously I'm just seeing the highlights, I thought a draw was a, a kind of fair result, and it did feel like a good point earned in the end. I, th- I think it's a point earned because nobody expected us to get anything. I certainly mm. didn't. You know, I'll be honest with you, like, we, we had a night out last night, so I was I was kind of swithering about whether to go or not, and just I got up in the morning, I was like, right, I'll go along, and I kind of just accepted the fact that I didn't think we were going to get anything out of it. But probably across of course across the course of play, even I think we probably edged it. But I think overall, our draw was probably a fair result because although we played well, we didn't we don't create enough chances or or, or guilted chances. Like we don't seem to force keepers into saves. Like we'll have a shot and it and we miss it. We don't like we don't test the keeper enough for me. Um, and even like a couple of the, like Healy plays a um, a good ball into the box, um, and I think the keeper sort of pams it out, and you're late, you're waiting for your like a, your Jack Hamilton like player or your Kenny Duker like player or you know um, your oh, who was the other guy Chris Duggan like player you know just players that like love to score goals to to follow that up or a ball that's been crossed at the back post that you're just waiting for that player that's got that that instinct to get in and head it. We just don't have it, um, and it's you know it's not a slight on Shepard or Shavoni or or any of these guys. It's just more. I don't think that that's their game, and we just desperately need somebody like that. And that's what I've heard about the guy Connor Young from Rangers. Is that's the sort of type of player he is, and I kind of feel like we're not we're not utilizing that. Like we, we, and it's something that we desperately need. Wait, what about yourself, Gordon? How did how did you come away from that feeling yesterday? So, like, going into it, I think, talking to my dad before the game, and we both said, we'll take a point. Um, 
I think largely the same as Lee. I think um, the course of the game felt like felt like a point was fair. I think the fact that we'd come back from two one down makes it feel like a point earned. I think one of the big things is obviously Troughton going off in seventy five minutes. Mm-hmm. You're then really thinking, "Fuck! I'll, I'll give me the final whistle. I'll take the point." But we actually played really well from that point on. Yeah, I, I would say in the build up to that, like after we got the equaliser to the sending off, I think Sterling were the better team from the, what the highlights showed and they were really pushing. But then after the sending off, it was us that seemed to have the chances. So I think it was just that, you know, that last 15 minutes where you started to feel like, oh, we can actually get this. And, we, you know, we, we, we kind of came close to... Um, I agree, there was no, like, really clear chances, but you felt like we were really close to getting a goal, like creating a chance, and that that made you feel like it was a bit there for the taking. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird one. I feel like it is a point gained, but also there was a wee bit of disappointment because you felt like maybe we could have taken it. When, when I, I do woke think, up though, the... before, you, before you went to that, if we'd had Trouton on the park the last 10 minutes, I think we might have nicked it. When I woke up and I saw the score, I was delighted by it. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Because as you say, I didn't think we would get anything from that. And it's like every point's a prisoner right now for us. Watching the highlights, I mean, I, we played some nice stuff. Sterling moved the ball around very well. The opening goal, Jack Healy on the volley, side-footed in, lovely cross into him, good finish. And it's just, you, you wish we could have held on to that lead a little bit longer. Yeah, and it, I think we spoke about it a bit yesterday, Gordon. I think that the game yesterday was crying out for Conor McManus and Brogan Walls didn't have his best game for us yesterday. There's there's no two ways about that. And it makes me wonder if we just had the, the sort of Conor McManus in a team to maybe just help break up that play in the middle of the park. That might have helped us a little bit. Um, but I mean, the, the goals that we gave away were both very cheap. Um, you know, Greg will be not happy at the goals that we that we conceded because I think they were they were avoidable. Um, I mean, the, the goal that we scored, you know, you rightly said was a very very good goal, good finish from Healy. Um, you know, I got a few comments from people around me, namely Ollie Anderson, saying you'll be happy that Healy scored a. T- Happen. I don't think it was a happen. I think it was a good finish, um, yeah. especially to take it on the volley. <laughs> I was a bit like, well, I, I know because post game as well, Liam's like, oh, that's it's like I, one of his less, I can't remember the exact word he used. It might have been a tapping that he used as well. It's like, it was, it was, it was a an great incredible. finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, um, definitely a, a, a good goal. Um, and I think that not not just the finish, but again the the the, the footwork from Ferguson to get away for two men, and and hit the the touchline and the ball that he put in for that was brilliant. And, and what I did like about Healy's post match was I'm saying you know Trout and Aggie, you know these guys are telling him hang about that place and you'll get more goals, and it just shows that he's prepared to take that advice from from his sort of fellow pros, which is great. So. Yep, it was a, a good goal, but again, you know, to, to concede so soon after scoring, you know, you're just a bit like, for the love of God, like, it's, it, it's one of my pet hates in football that just like, just even just weather the storm for 10 minutes, but, you know, I think the difference in that Sterling side versus us is Dale Carrick's just really good, arguably the best player in the division. You know, he's, he's certainly in that conversation. You know, I think Sam Denham had said in his post-match he's the best players came up against this year. And, you know, Carrick was good at Airdrie as well. Like, he's just a good player. He was at Hearts as well, wasn't he, Carrick? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the guy, the guy's class. Um, and you can't take that away from him, really. I mean, his second goal, the overhead kick. It's a beautiful yeah. poetry in motion. Uh, the, the first goal, the, the first equaliser for, for Sterling, Two minutes after we take the lead, Gordon, it was a lovely chip into the into the box, into the danger area, and Carrick did that thing that you need good strikers to do and get goal side of the defender. So if he gets to the ball, there's only one place it's going, and that's the back of the net, and that's what happened. Yeah, I think with both Carrick's goals, I mean, I think he took them well. 
the second one is obviously the one that's going to get all the attention. We sort of bicycle kick. The first one, he gets up really well to get power on that. Um, I think a lot of players wouldn't have been able to do it, but he does. But the, the big thing you take away is like you look at the space he's moved into and mm-hmm. in, a, in a packed box, he's all alone. Um, obviously, from our point of view, you're going to be looking at the defending, but I think it's one of these things. He's a very good player and he knows how to get that space and he knows how to drift away from defenders and just be where he needs to be. Um, I think that's that's the big thing you're looking at. It's just that bit of bit of like forwards kind of goal scorers instinct, goal scorers intelligence. I think that that's that's how he ends up in these positions, and that's and you know he's finished both of them. Um, so I think that was the big difference. You take Carrick out of that team, um, yeah, you, you you kind of take a lot out of them. I think um, you know we we will look to defend that better, but I think sometimes you just have to say yeah, you know, that's a good player. The second one as well, he's got acres of room to even get that kick in. Mm. Whether it's just we didn't expect that he was going to try something as audacious as that or whatever. And I mean, it, it was a good bicycle kick. I've seen better. But the fact that he had acres of room to just do it is, again, you're looking <clears> at, at the defensive aspect of it. And yeah, from an East Five point of view, that's what we're going to look at. We're not going to look at the finish. We're going to look at oh, what mistakes were made, what players should have closed them in. But as Lee has said, as we've said all year, this this is the kind of guy we have to try and go out and entice here for next year. Just a guy that can do this kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, agreed. He'd make a massive difference in our team. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, it, is, it is something that, you know, they're hard to get, these players. No doubt about it. But, you know, somebody like that would, would, would improve us a lot. It's always a risk, I guess, with any club. Like if I, I was going to say, let's dangle a big carrot to one of these guys and say, look, we'll, we'll pay you this to, to come here. You've got to watch with that, though, as well, because then you can have a disruptive dressing room of like, oh, how come he's getting all this money and I'm not getting this money? And then if the guy doesn't score the goals that you're wanting, it, it's like over here and down in the A-League when you've got like, your designated players that are on way much more, sometimes millions more than some of the young guys. If you bring them in and they don't perform, then you've you're taking a gamble on that. But we've got to do something to entice a proper striker here for next year. And if that means paying big bucks to one guy, we take the gamble. I know it could be a Danny Swanson situation and you pay big bucks to a guy and then he never plays, but I think it's worth the risk if we want to get out of this division, assuming we don't go up. Or if we do go up, we definitely need that guy to try and stay up. Well, I mean, the rumours are rife at the the the, um, the guy that has Kelly is bought Rafe. Mm-hmm. Now, if those rumours are true, I think a lot of players will leave Kelly in the summer because they won't be able to sustain the wages, and the majority of Kelly's playing staff are coming to the end of their contracts. So, who's the first name that comes to your head? Obviously, Fash. But what I would say is, like, I haven't paid a lot of attention to Kelty this year. What's Fash done there this year? He's been very injured. He's been what? Very injured. Ah, okay. Because I was going to say, are we just living a little bit in the past with Fash as to what he did? But I think you wouldn't, if it's just me, I wouldn't be, you know, say if it's a player like Fash, I wouldn't be going out and breaking the bank on that because... No, reality, if he's had injuries as well. The reality is with players, you know, you're talking as well, if, if you bring someone in with big money and some other players don't like that, it's like the same as anything else. It's like if, if that player's getting big money, it's because they can go and get big money elsewhere. You know, if, if someone's coming in on, on a grand a week, we'd only be paying them that because somebody else is probably going to pay them pretty damn close. Mm. Now, if somebody on, you know, a, a, a fraction of that is getting paid less, it's like, well... You're not getting offered, you know. That's the thing, and the reality is that if if you've been injured and you've not scored many goals, you know your market value is going to come down. Um, so I think, you know, it's, some, it's something we've got to think about, and I think sometimes it is worth the gamble. But, um, you know, for me personally, it's no. There, there might be players to go out and get there, and Fash would be someone I would like to bring back, but I probably wouldn't be offering them. You know, anywhere near 
probably what he's getting at Kelty. Yeah, interesting. I'd take Joe Cardell instead then. <laughs> Either of those, but I mean, you know, you've got to think that these, a lot of Kelty players, you know, probably like Jordan Forster, like I would love to have him back or, you know, pretty much any of the Kelty team, you know, he would probably happily take. Um, but it'd be interesting the fashion one because obviously he said when we spoke to him that he would love to come back to the club but equally he's, he's got a young family it's still his career he's still what late 20s maybe just turned 30 and mm. all park around that so he's still probably got four or five years at this level um, and he has he has scored goals in, in League One um, however my overriding feeling is that we'll see him at Stenhouse Mule next year. That's my guess. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, like, close season, I think, and just in general, because we know what it's been like post-COVID. Greg's talked about it, other folks talked about how difficult it's been to to get people here. I wonder if we're coming out of that a little bit now or if it's still going to be pretty much the same. And has COVID and all the lockdowns just made a lot of players just reevaluate stuff and they want to be closer to home. And if that's the case, what five guys should we be targeting that might not want to travel and stuff like that? We'll have that discussion at the end of the season. Let's get into the second half. Steely brought us level, 52nd minute. What a header. He is just in some of the best form of his East Fife career just now. That was, I mean, the crossing from Newton was great. But the way that Steely met that... Oof. Do you know how a few weeks ago I had my whole, like, I love you, Sam Denham rant? Oh, I thought I had my whole... It's like, oh, congratulations. A few weeks ago? Come on, I've been married for 10 years. It doesn't happen at all. I just had my birthday and didn't even get it in. Um, oh. oh, joking aside. Um, I got it for Gordon, so it was fine. Um, that's what happens on the way home. Hashtag dogging. Um, no, um, what happens hashtag- in Sterling stays in Sterling. Apart from herpes, that shit will stay with you. Um, but no, I wanted to give a shout out to Liam Newton, actually, because, again, you know, he's been shunted out to a position that's maybe not natural to him, but Greg has openly said he's going to make a left-back out of him, and he is. He's, he's making a left-back out of him, but <laughs> yesterday I, I was like, get the ball in the box, Liam, get the ball in the box, and he delivers an absolutely beautiful cross into the box and, he, and he's going to obviously have to add that to his game but you know like other players I've, I've maybe been a bit critical of Liam Newton at times and, and try to find you know what it is that he's bringing to the team apart from obviously lots of energy however in the last sort of four or five weeks he's really making the left back position his own and he's just getting smarter like we're seeing that now, um, you know, he, he kept their left back really quiet and their sorry, their their winger really quiet the majority of the game. He even switched Danny Denham over to his side, he kept him quiet as well. So he's grown into that position and he's adding more to his game in terms of his, his deliveries and stuff. So I'm delighted for him. Um he's a guy that obviously loves the club. Um he's a local lad as well, which obviously as these five fans would like to give extra kudos for. Um and I thought um, last week against Annan, he was arguably our best player. Um, and again, this week, you know, right up there again. So fair play to him. And, and Darren Steele, obviously, just great, isn't he? He was our player of the year last year for the mm-hmm. podcast. And um, Gordon needs to, to give us an update soon on where the, the three two ones are standing. But I'd be very surprised if he isn't in with a shout again. What did you, what did you make of that goal, Gordon? The way that he met it. But when you see him doing stuff like that, it can't help but enter your mind off, oh, it's going to be tough to keep him. Yeah, I think so. Um, I certainly think they'll be interested in Aaron Steele. Scoring goals as a defender is also going to help with that. Uh, The goal, I mean, the, the crossing for Newton was fantastic. It was just one of these ones that's just begging to be hit. It's, um, so, you know, good, brilliant from Newton and Steele. Um, I thought yesterday, look, you know, he got the goal and it was a very well-taken goal. I thought yesterday, probably maybe not one of Steele's best games. I think, um, you know, if you're, if, 
certainly for Carrick's first goal, you're saying got on side of the defender, and it yeah. was still. I, 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 I thought it was, and then I couldn't remember as we were talking about it. I thought it was him. And I mean that that's always the way of a defender, you know. If if a goal if a goal gets scored and you you watch the highlights and you could have done better, you're always going to kind of get, you know, a wee a wee marked down for it. But um, but no doubts, Steele has been Steele has been very very good. Particularly, I think since he's moved out to right back, he's he's done very well. Then kind of similar to Newton, I think. You know, he's kind of made that position his now. Um, you know, kind of talk at the start of the season talking about fullback problem. Um, and I think, you know, while they're both young players and they've both they've both got room to to develop and get better. Um, you know, I, I'd be more than happy saying right now, yeah, I'll take those as my, my two first choice fullbacks next season. So that that tied things up. We talked about how the rest of the game played out. The last talking point is the Alan Troughton sending off. The second booking, I've no problem with that at all. That first one, because when I was watching the highlights and they showed it, I was like, oh, that was his first booking? Don't really even, I still don't really even know what that was for. I watched the highlights. It's a a yellow card, he's got, sorry, it is a yellow card, duh, but he's given it for handball. Like, handball? I I watched I watched it. Twice, yeah. and I was like, I don't see anything in that. I didn't see it, no. We, we were out for, for Easter um, with the family today around at my, my auntie's house, and my uncle likes football but doesn't support a team. And I just put the, the highlights down in front of me. I went, can you tell me what this yellow card's for? And he watched it. He was like, put it back again, put it back again, put it back again. He's like, I have no idea. I said, he's given it for a yellow card. And I, and I, 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 I put a handball, and I was like, I need to double check. So I texted Greg and I was like, what has he booked him for? I was like, because I can't see. And he said he's, he's booked him for deliberate handball. Now, even the second one, Michael, I think it's really harsh. It, it, it's harsh, but his arm's he's, out. It's on the it, line a little bit. It's got to be deliberate. It's got to be deliberate. And I don't think it is. He, he's, he's a yard away. The ball gets chipped through, and you and you watch him twist it. All oh, you guys can see what I'm doing, but our, our, obviously our listeners can't. But he twists his his body around, and his hands are by his side. He's not moved them. In the, now, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this in the show before, right? But like, I actually did my refereeing qualifications years ago. I was a qualified ref. We were told, obviously, I know the rules have changed in the Premier League, but I don't think they've changed in Scotland. They've, it's got to be deliberate. It's got to be intentional. And for me, it was neither. He's not gesturing towards the ball. He's not deliberately denied a goal to score up opportunity. He's 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 turned around for a yard away. It's hit his hand. Now, fair enough. Give the free kick. Give give the free kick if you have to. But maybe if you have to give give the free kick, you maybe have to book him. But I think it's I think it's really harsh. When was the last time you seen any player at any level get sent off for two deliberate handballs? I don't think it's it's oh, madness. Yeah. Absolute madness. And the worst part about it is, is we can't even appeal it because it's two yellows. Yeah. So, the, you know, we're going into, uh, you know, another cup final next year without, I don't even think you can say arguably now, but, but without our best player. Um, you know, so you, don't get me wrong, Greg, very diplomatic in his answer saying, you know, we could bring in um, X, Y or Z player, which is great, but they don't have the, the, the brains that that Troughton has got and his range of passing and his creativity. And there's a few things that I've really liked about Troughton recently. And I tell you what is rubbing off on the team is just being streetwise, like when to invite a tackle to get a cheap free kick, when to just move your body in the right way to, to, to draw that fill. And I watch him every week and I'm just like, you're class and it's easy to see why it's um you know, that he's, he's had the career that he's had. Even yesterday as well, when he got sent off, I noticed Jack Healy went down. Now, there was nothing wrong with Healy, nothing wrong with him. However, it gave us that opportunity when Sterling were in the ascendancy to kill the momentum and we managed to get a sub on at that time. And it's just these wee things that, I'm, that you, you start to pick up that you're like, as this season's gone on, we've got more streetwise. 
and that's probably the influence of the likes of Trout and the players that have done it for, for so long at the highest level. But back to the original point, because I'm digressing again, um, it was never, I don't think either of them are yellow card for me. I think the second one is given because it breaks the, the play up. Because I yeah. can't even remember now who it was that kicked the ball. But if it hadn't have hit a hand, I think he was past Trout and in the box. So yeah. I think that is why that was given. And to be honest, I have no issue with that one. It is interesting though, because I, I watch a lot of the sports scene highlights every week and you're, you're seeing how VAR is implemented sometimes farcically in Scotland and it's baffling. But watching that, listening to stuff like Off the Ball, the confusion that exists around the handball rule now is insane and how it's implemented differently in different leagues. And it, it needs to just be standardised one way or the other. And I, I know you've got the downside that if you say, just make it if a ball hits a, an arm, it's a free kick or a booking or whatever, no matter what. But then you're going to have skillful players just trying to chip the ball into folks' arms to, to try and get calls that way. The worst, the worst they change. So they change the rule to effectively make it that. And then the worst thing, the worst example of that for me was the World Cup final, France against Croatia in 2018, where it got chipped into, I think it was Modric, chipped his hands by his side and it got chipped into his hand, penalty. And I think that made it like 2-0 or something. So like, that's game over. It's no, not a yellow card, but that's a penalty. Mm. The new rules, because for me, that should never be a penalty. Your hands are by your side. And the thing about, if you look at that, if you kind of, Pause the highlights. Troughton's arm and hand is in the exact position it is when the ball hits him, when the ball leaves the Sterling player's foot. He does not move his hand into that position. His hand is in that position when the ball leaves the Sterling player's foot. So he didn't move into it. For me, there's almost like a slight... I wouldn't have minded if that if the first yellow wasn't given and that yellow was, we wouldn't even be talking about it. There's a slight, yeah. for me... I think potentially and just instinctively his hand moves a little bit towards the ball and kind of flicks it, potentially. Now, you could look at that from 10 different angles on VAR. But, but this, this this is us like watching yeah, it back yeah, yeah. and slowing it yeah. down as well. And in, it's in like real, we can't time, decide. In real time, there is no fucking way that ref could have been sure that was deliberate. No way at all. Uh, but he gave the L card for it. And I think that's what... Greg said that whatever you might think of it when you're pausing the replay and looking frame by frame, the ref cannot be sure that that was deliberate because his hand was already there and then the ball went up and hit it. So for me, ludicrous. You know, the, the whole, the whole again, sorry to, to interject, but the whole thing for me is like, they talk about your hands being in an unnatural position. His hand's not in an unnatural position. It's by his fucking side. And it, it, for me, he doesn't gesture towards the ball. He doesn't move his hand out. He literally has half a, a second to react. He moves his, to see where the ball's going. That's what it looks like to me. It's like he, he twists his body to see where the ball's going or if he's needing to track back his man. And he's, but, uh, but that's the thing, though, Lee, as well. If you twist your body, which is a natural thing to do, your arms are going to move as well. Look, look so that, that's why this whole thing's farcical. Because what is a natural who, position? Look at players who have the ball. Their arms move around. Mm -hmm. yeah. and they're obviously not trying to put their arms yeah, out. You try running like this, you're like a yeah, penguin. Yeah. Or kick a ball without your arms moving from side to side. It doesn't yeah. work. Just put it back to what it was for years. Same with the offside rule, man. I still get oh. confused about how many different phases they play. Fuck off. Like, um, you know, for, for me, like... Was it intentional? You know, did he punch it clear? Did he obstruct or did he deny a goal to an opportunity because he moved his hand in that direction? And if not, then it's unintentional. Like, nah, just... The, the, the refereeing performance as a collective yesterday was horrendous. Absolutely it it seems really bad, though, in Scotland in general at the moment because yeah, I mean, some of the decisions I'm seeing in the Premier when I'm watching the highlights back, it's like mind-boggling and they've got VAR to help them with that yeah it's insane the, I mean, the problem I have with VAR and all these new rules is if you need to slow things down and draw lines and 
like under a microscope look to see if something's there. You can't give that. It's not obvious enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like with offside. If you need if you need to slow it down and say like, oh, this guy's fucking nose was ahead of that guy's, then it's not obvious enough and the attacker should get advantage. Yeah. That's what offside was always meant to be. If you can't tell, it's not offside. Yeah. If an eye can't see it, if there's yeah. no way an eye could tell that it's a foot or a toe off, you can't yeah. give the offside. Like in the White Cats game last night, we had two goals disallowed. First one, fair enough, the guy was offside in the first phase, but he he was onside in the second, but it was given for that. Now the second one, he heads it home, same player, heads it home, and it's like, did he push down the Portland guy? And you can't tell, but the referee had called it on the pitch. So there wasn't a definitive angle to override it. But you've got all this fucking technology. They're using 4K cameras here. And the one fucking angle that would have needed a camera, they didn't have a camera there. They would have shown if there was a push or not. And it just it drives me nuts now. But VAR does give you beautiful little things. I can't remember which game it was, but I was watching a game where they were they were looking to see if someone was offside. And basically, like, the defender sort of, at the last moment, he sort of bent over a little bit. So about half of his left arse cheek was playing the guy on side. they like, that, that's funny. I'll take it yeah, for that. It's funny. It's ridiculous. And if that goes against your team, you're like, Jesus. Anyway, we're, we're all digressing now from this, but I, I could have a whole show just ranting about VAR. It just pisses me off so much. And I'll just continue. The other thing that annoys me now is you can't fucking celebrate a goal. If you're in a game that's got VAR, because it's like you're waiting. Because the White Cat scored three times last night and only one of them counted. And all three were video reviews for different things that were like not obvious what was going to happen. So when the eventual winner went in, everyone's like, oh, let's just wait. We can't celebrate. And then it's given and it's like, eh. Because by that point, it's kind of moved on a little bit. Anyway. Um, so that was the game. Mm-hmm. Two-hole draw, a good point. Let's get to your three-two ones. I will start with Lee this time because I always go to Lee last. So let's start with Lee for the three-two ones. So there's there's so many different combinations because we actually played quite well yesterday. I'm going to start by giving a point to Liam Newton, who I thought had another Liam Newton performance that we're we're coming to see be more regular now. Um, and like I say, that you know, forced the the Sterling management team to to roll the dice and switch their wingers and stuff. So point to to Liam. My, my two is is difficult. Um, but I went for Jack Healy. Um, took his goal really well. Put in um some really good deliveries into the box yesterday. Um, yeah, just good good performance from Jack and. Three points. I went between a few different players. Um, you know, could they have given it to to Healy or to to Newton? But I settled on three points for Steely, who I just thought had another good game. What about you, Gordon? Um, largely the same players uh, in consideration. I went one point for. Ferguson, um, just just a decent game all round, but his his contribution for the first goal was excellent. I put two points for Liam Newton, uh, and three points for Jack Healy. Interesting. So that was our thoughts. You can always let us know your thoughts as well on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold. So the results yesterday in League Two, some interesting ones for sure. Now, now. Between Steny and Bonnie Rigg, a good battling point there for Bonnie Rigg. Albion Rovers scuffed Elgin City 3 0, and Elgin are in deep, deep shit right now. Stranraer now 4 for 0, and Annan beat a very faltering Dumbarton 3 1. Dumbarton and Sterling face off on Tuesday, maybe. How many times has that been postponed now? I kind of starting to lose count. But the way the standings are looking, Sterling, out at the top of the table, 31 games played, 63 points. They've got a nine-point lead over Dumbarton. A win on Tuesday night, and that's pretty much theirs. 
is it pretty much theirs now anyway? They're not going to throw this away. Yes, Dumbarton will not get nine points. Dumbarton, looking at the form from the last five games, they've only taken one point. And it's interesting looking at the form guide. Like If you look at it on the BBC, they just have the last five games. Normally at this point of the season, there's a few teams and it's like they either would have four or five wins out of five. That has not happened in in this division. Sterling's got three out of five wins and, and two draws. So, I mean, they, they're in good form. But you look at the others and there's nobody really standing out and like taking this by the scruff of the neck. So this is still maybe not for first, but positioning for the playoffs is up for grabs. Who gets in the top four is up for grabs. The bottom of the table, I mean, you're looking at it. Stranraer could, I guess, technically still get sucked into it. But you're looking at Elgin bottom in 33, Albion Rovers just ahead of them because a goal difference and a mega goal difference. Albion Rovers goal difference zero. Elgin City goal difference, minus 16. So it's looking really, really dire for Elgin just now. I know we've talked about them in the show. They've got games against Steny, 4-4. They are both at home. A big away trip to Stranraer, and then at home to Dumbarton, and then the last game of the season away to Bonnie Rig. If they I, do I not play the Sparks soon... No, I mean... I don't... Possibly, maybe Steny at home, but then they're in such dire form that it's kind of hard to see that they could do that just now. They've, yeah. they've lost, I don't know what it is before this, but five in a row defeats. They they look absolutely fucked. And that is not the form you want to take into, no matter who you end up playing in a relegation yeah. playoff, you just do not want to be in that kind of form. Yeah, like I say, like I, I, I must have said this, Seven, eight, ten times a season. There are ten diddies in Kane Hester. And the minute that Kane Hester hit his bad form, they were fucked. And that's exactly what's happened. Because, I mean, um, they, they never look like doing anything. You know, their only game plan, long through ball at Hester. Hester's got to run on and score it. That doesn't happen. Teams have figured out how to play them. Because remember, Elgin were in the playoffs till Christmas almost, I reckon. Yeah, they were third at one point. Yeah. I remember them being third. But all that happened is, is teams after that sort of first couple of meetings have went, right, so we just need to stop this long ball, right? You just drop your your back line so that they can't play the ball over the top. You play your keeper as a sweeper keeper so that he's ready to come out and clear the ball. Kane Hester doesn't score goals. Elgin don't win games. And it's as simple as that. The, the, given the form that Elgin were on, it's a miracle they took so long to sack Price. Like, it's an absolute miracle, um, you know, and you've got to think that whoever comes in there, they're running short in time. Well, I mean, who, who do you get in? Like, I mean, they could make a big appointment just to the end of the season, a guy that's just out of work and just looking to, to do something. But he's got to get to know the squad. He's got to get to know his players. And you can't do that yeah. in, in that short period of time. Stevie Crawford? <laughs> You're just looking at like you know somebody who's already works with a team to basically sort of pick a team, and then someone coming in to just sort of boot a few arses and get people a bit motivated. Like, is that I feel like it's the best they can do. Um, I'm not sure it's going to work. I mean, and by the way, whoever finishes bottom of this table, likely Elgin, will get beat. They'll not win over two games in the playoffs. Um, against a Brecon or uh, Spartans at the top of the well, lowland. Yeah, like Spartans, they won one now at Trinent yesterday. So that's basically it hasn't secured the title for them because of the whole Celtic B and Rangers B stuff. Who could still win the actual title? But in terms of making it into the, the uh, Playoff. promotion playoffs, they've secured their spot now. They can't be mm-hmm. caught by the University of Stirling, and they've hit a good run of form. They, they really have been turning it on since the start of the year and they, they've made a big run to it. So, I mean, they are going into that full of confidence, full of form. It, the Highland League is fascinating because Brecon's kind of faltered a little bit and Bucky Thistle were out on top and those two teams meet in the final game of the season. Brecon's got two games in hand that if they win them, they're a point behind Bucky. But 
that that's going to go down to the wire. And that I've, I said before, if there's a stream for that Bucky Breaking game, I might buy it because I lo- love this level of football. I've always loved the Highland League. Um, that's going to be an absolutely amazing atmosphere for that one. Even with Elgin on poor form, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be as sure that they'll lose it because I think if you look back, like the only times that the, the league side has lost is when they've been like utter utter guff, like you know twenty points or less. I think that this league two season, it's like what you might usually expect. It's like the league's just been compressed. So I don't think the top two are as good as your average top two in League Two. I don't think the bottom teams are as bad as they usually are. So I, I think, if, especially if Elgin turn it around a wee bit and maybe get a point or two, but whoever it is, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so sure that the that whoever comes out, whether it's Spartans, Brecon, mm. or Bucky. You you got a fancy Spartans because I think maybe the the form that they've been in mm-hmm. like they've, I've I've been keeping an eye on it and they've beaten a lot of the teams around them recently, which is good going. Um, but if it's Elgin, Albion Rovers, Bonnie Rig, I still think that's going to be a very tough game. I I think if Albion Rovers were bottom, I think I would maybe fancy them to stay up. Bonnie Rig, I don't know. Sometimes they can be decent sometimes not but they don't give up a lot of goals Elgin I, I, I get what you're saying Gordon but if you just look at the league table from this year take, take they the are last, cut adrift take, take the last half of the season yeah utter pish yeah yeah it's, it, it is true I, I, I don't think it'll be a walkover like we've seen uh, like Bonnie Rig Cowden Beath or Kelty versus whoever they beat or like sometimes you've seen these real walkovers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be that. I think Elgin, if it's Elgin, and I think it will be Elgin, they've got the worst chance. I would actually fancy Elgin over. I'd fancy Bonnie Rig. Elgin, I wouldn't put money on them, but I don't think it'll be simple. Mm. I think it'll be close. Somebody said something to me as well yesterday that there's a lot going on behind the scenes at Elgin. Oh. Um, with obviously they just went through all the turmoil of the trial for Kane Heston. You wonder, obviously, if that's just played in his mind. You know, like if, I, I if, mean, it if, has to. I know we made a couple of little jokes and stuff about it, but it is going to have. And and, and by the sounds of it, there's not a lot of room in his mind for stuff like that. To take. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it'll be very interesting, but. I wouldn't be surprised if if Elgin um, if Elgin go down. I really won't, and it, it's a shame because I actually I like I quite like Elgin. Like I like the away game. I like the ground. Like I, I love to drive they're, up they're there. They're one of those clubs. That, yeah, it's a good away day. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean them as a club. Yeah, so I I like the ground too. It's like it's a proper old fashioned football ground. Yeah. And some folk may describe that as a bit of a shithole, but to me, it's like it's a proper football ground. That when I, if I go to a place like that, I still get little tingles. There's like Spartans, you know. One, if they come up, it'll be nice because it, you know, it'll be Edinburgh. Well, it'll be great for you. <laughs> for me, you know, like going to the city, plenty of places to have a drink, easy yeah. to get to, all the rest of it. But the ground looks terrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Were you uh, ever at Spartans Old Ground? No, no. It had massive grassy hill embankments. We had a cup game there. And for some reason, I don't have any photos from that day. I know I took them. I don't know what the hell happened to them. That was but on it was on, What's that? It was on sports scene. Yeah. I, I, I was not at the game, but I have a memory of watching that game on the the TV highlights. Yeah, That was a I mental was little ground. scored... Maybe I've got that on video somewhere. I should dig out my my VHS videos and get them up on on YouTube. Um, looking above our table and just the bottom of the of League One, big game coming up on the twenty second between Peterhead and Clyde, and basically it's in Clyde's hands to finish second bottom right now. 
Peterhead do look doomed, and we're talking about teams that's not been in in great form. But that said, in a one-off game between Peterhead and Clyde, who knows what what's going to happen with yeah. them there? And they, they did get a one-nil win, Peterhead over Edinburgh City or FC Edinburgh, what the fuck they called now yesterday. I mean, the thing, the bigger thing is they're both so shite. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? I gen- like if we end up finishing fourth, I think I'd prefer to play Peterhead. But I I'd be know. confident against either of them. I, I think both those teams are coming down. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Either of them is coming to the playoffs. Just well, may as well round up and look at the Scottish Championship then as well, and look at, at what's happening there. I took my eye off this for a few weeks. What the fuck's happened to Air? I don't really pay attention to that league, so I don't have a horse in this race. Uh, I think Air have just been sort of... It's, it's been nothing sort of dramatic, but they've just sort of slipped away a wee bit, I think. They're in uh, danger of falling. Like, Inverness are five points behind them with a game in hand and in great form. I, I pay attention to this because I've got a bit of a soft spot for Inverness. Just uh, I just like Inverness as a city and going up there again. It was always a nice trip, and I th- I think I I'd love I love having the Highland Derby in the top flight. To me, it's just it's what Scottish football should have those kind of stuff. But Cove Rangers looks like they are going to be coming down because Hamilton's found a l- tiny tiny bit of form, and I think our both could survive again. Our both are picking up a bit as well. They've, mm-hmm. they've been in the bottom two for a long time and they've suddenly got themselves out. I think Cove are definitely finishing in the bottom two. Um, probably finishing 10th. Um, and that's between Hamilton and Arbroath for the playoff. Mm. Mm. You, you, um, can, you can see Lee's disinterest. <laughs> I was actually reading on um, Elgin, on oh. Pine Liberal, um Apparently, um, according to one of their fans, McCarty and Hester had to be split apart by the referee during the game. This is their own players. And then they had a fight getting onto the team bus. Nice. So it's just a complete implosion. Jesus. Um, Yeah, they are are fucked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the the, the jokes write themselves because Healy's a fireman, I'm sure. Um, You know, so Elgin in flames. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, like Elgin's a club and I think Albion Rovers are a club as well Bonnie Rig I don't know and we, we touched on this a little bit a few shows ago so I won't dwell on it but these are teams that if they go out the league I don't see them coming back anytime soon potentially um, certainly Albion Rovers you would think um, you've seen it with East Stirlingshire you've seen it with Cowden Beef Berwick to a bit of a lesser extent these clubs have really struggled when they've gone into the Lowland League. Mm. I think you know, suddenly you've got this funding disappears. Um, Elgin, you know, they're traditionally a Highland League club. Yeah, but you'd have to feel like if Bucky if Bucky and Brecon both don't go up, they're going to be strong next year. And yeah. whoever one of those two, if one of them did go up, is going to be strong next year as well. So they'd have to have investment into them to get back. And it's whether they decide that it's worth it or not. Mm. Maybe they want to have a couple of seasons out, have local games, build stuff back up again. I don't know. I just want to say well done to, to Loch Ness FC, who look very good to possibly go back into the Highland League. Are they, not back um, in, but into the Highland League. I was going to say, like, are they, um, have they got their licence to get in? Because I know they're, they're going to win the league, aren't they? But... Yeah, I don't know. I think they can get their license, but they'd have to move stadiums. But they, they, did, they grind shared with Clack before, so they could always do that again. Anyway, that's an aside. I guess we won't bother looking at, at the Premier. Uh, who cares about the Premier League? I do want to say one thing about the Premier, because I, I'm assuming you guys would have seen this. It was big news over here, but I don't know if it was as big over there. Theo Bear from St Johnston had been racially abused by one of his own fans at a game midweek. And like I've known Theo since he was 15. And like super nice guy. Made the move to St Johnston. Hasn't really lit it up there to be fair and maybe hasn't done what they were expecting. But coming off the pitch midweek when his own fans was racially abusing him 
and the club acted very quickly, banned the fan for life, and the St. Johnson fans yesterday had a, a TIFO, like an anti-racism TIFO in support of Theo, which I thought was, was really, really nice. But you you yeah. kind of would have hoped in this day and age that stuff's gone. It's it's kind of nice to hear like what's ended up being a positive story about racial abuse because often what you hear too much is... I never heard anything. Aye. We, couldn't, we can't identify who it is and that's it dropped. So it's really nice to hear a club who've just gone, we know who it is, they're out and yeah. everyone's behind the player. Yeah. You, you, if, if you guys have been going to football your entire lives, right? You hear everything around you. Yeah. You know who if, it is. If, if people say that they haven't, they're turning a blind eye at it, yeah. which is just as bad as the racism itself. And, and St Johnston's so, not a play. Like if it's something was said at Ibrox or Celtic, it's like, well, there's a big crowd there. It's hard to maybe pinpoint who said it. No. It'll, it'll be like, yeah. It'll be like, baby, if you sit in a certain part of the ground, you'll know who shouted it. Yeah. You know the voices, you know the faces. Yeah. Yeah, there was an incident actually here in MLS last night in the New York um, San Jose game. There's a foul, guy got booked in the 54th minute and then one of the other players uttered a racial slur to one of the San Jose players. The game was stopped for 21 minutes while they tried to see if they could see what was said on VAR. And in the end, they couldn't. Yeah. And the San Jose... Like, it seems like the guy has kind of admitted saying something, but saying, oh, I didn't direct it at anyone in particular. Which is like, what the fuck? So San Jose were going to walk off. They decided they didn't. They got on with the game. They took the lead. And then they gave up the equaliser in the 17th minute of stoppage time just to make things even worse for them. Mental. But the player that the abuse was aimed at, he was so composed and articulate afterwards talking about it, where you'd be fucking raging. And to go out and have to speak to the media about it was just incredible. But it's just sad that you've still mm. got this. And how stupid are the players in games like that as well with these cameras and stuff? But the problem in that case is if they can't determine it was said, he'll can't get do. off with it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, a point to end. Let, let's try and end the show on a on a positive with any let's all laugh at. And I'll start, because I'll go with another incident that happened in MLS last night. Houston, LA Galaxy. Penalty was given for Houston. It's a video review. LA Galaxy player, Uruguayan, Martin Carceres, already on a yellow card. Goes up, looks over the referee's shoulder, is looking at the VAR screen, puts his hand on the referee's shoulder... Second yellow card sent off. Oh, oh, oh. nice. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah. So I'll just be cheeky and kind of have a little look to the ref. <laughs> so I've, I've I've got one. Um, I think it was posted. It was posted on Pine Bovril, and I think uh, Craig Telfer from uh, View for the Terrace put on Twitter. It was Bonnie Riggs' goal versus Stranraer in their 1-0 win last weekend. If you have not seen this... I would advise you to go back and watch it because the defending from Stranraer is fucking abysmal. Oh, I'll try and dig it's, this out now. Basically, a Stranraer player kind of tries to pass it back. on Stranraer been attacking. Midfielder tries to pass it back, but he sort of puts it between the goalkeeper and the defender and they both think the other is going for it. Eventually, the goalkeeper comes for it, passes it straight to Kieran McGahey. The goalkeeper is way out of his goal uh, he then sort of like tries to make a tackle in Magahi, but instead of making a tackle, he just sort of runs right past him. And Magahi keeps going in a straight line towards the goal and just scores. It's it's comedy of errors. It's really, really good. Oh, I found it. I will just watch this just now. What about you, Lee? Any funny things caught your eye this week? Uh, not really. Um, I was trying to like, think about one for Ella. One thing I will say, though, um, it's not a let's all laugh at, but um, I did try the pie of the week at uh, Sterling yesterday, um, and I, I was sitting next to Gordon, and I showed him it was a South Indian garlic doner kebab pie. You're like, oh my oh. days, that is going to be incredible, right? I took one bite out of it, and the grease that came oh. out 
turned the white napkin completely transparent and dyed the colour of my hand literally orange. I looked like E.T. Um, even more so than usual, some might say. Um, so the pie, for flavour, gets a solid 8 out of 10. However, for the absolute grease and potential implications on my health, um, gets a zero, I'm afraid. I, I can tell you, I saw the scene after Lee had eaten that pie. It looked like either a murder scene or that someone had shot themselves. There was that, there was that much sort of grease and sauce lying all over the place. But it, it did look and smell brilliant. Oh, I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean, 10 out of 10 for ingenuity more than anything else, you know. But yeah, it was a bit of a grease monkey, that one. I've just watched uh, that goal back on Craig Telfer's Twitter. Fucking hell. What is that keeper doing as well? What's the keeper? I know. He, he's like just stand in front of McGacky. <laughs> at least give him something to do. And he's like, whoa, no. <laughs> the, the defender on the line as well. You're like, come out to McGacky. Come out to McGacky. And all he does is fall over. Um, it's, it's, oh. I mean, I want, I want to see that played back with like the Benny Hill theme over it. <laughs> I've got to retweet that out. Um, last thing I want to just say to round the show up, I'm sure you've all seen the 120th anniversary kit for East Fife has been uh, launched. Pre-sales go open, I believe, 9am on Wednesday morning. You can have just a normal kit. You can get your name put on the black stripes or within the black stripes on the kit. And there's a special presentation box as well that comes with a scarf and a badge it's £100. You can take my money now, I've got to say. It looks a beautiful kit. I'm going to make sure I stay up till 1am our time so I can get on right away. Watch the website crash and get my pre-order in for that because I, I definitely want to get hold of that kit. Beautiful jersey, get my name on it. And it's a one-off season kit as well. And well done to the club. This looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks really good. Well, I mean, I, I just hope... Uh... White shorts as well, but we'll see. I think it would have to be. Stephen Mill will have ensured that it is white shorts. But yeah, it, it's a it's a nice kit. Look forward to, to get it. I might get mine for you to pick up, Lee, and then just get to ship it over to me. Yeah, no worries. As opposed to them trying to do it because they'll charge an arm and a leg. But that is it for this episode of the show. I might not be back for many of the shows to round off this season because the... The local season that I do the commentary for starts to kick off now, and I might if we if we end up recording on a Sunday, I think I might be out. So we might be if we can maybe do the odd Monday recording, that might work for us. We'll see how that goes. But you can give us a follow on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold. Get in touch, Glory Days of Gold at gmail.com. We'll be back with another episode soon. Till then, have a wonderful Easter. Make sure you get lots of cheap chocolate and mon the five. Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait Now there's broken dreams And what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago Might return once more